all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi. It's another live session of the original Southern Remedy. We're a doctor call-in show, and we're here for you. So if you have any kind of medical questions today, we're ready to take them. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics at UMC, here with my special guest, Dr. Stephanie Jacks, who's going to back me up on dermatology today if you're interested in that. So whatever's on your mind, give us a call. We're sitting here waiting on you, and we'll be right back after this news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The state's attorney's office in Baltimore City is dropping charges against the remaining police officers who had yet to be tried or retried in connection with the death of Freddie Gray, a young black man who suffered a mortal injury in the back of a police van last year. The chief prosecutor, Marilyn Mosby, says the decision was an agonizing one after other officers were cleared. The judge has acquitted three of these officers. One of the arresting officers, the wagon driver, the highest ranking police officer in these matters. In light, in light of these consistent outcomes, the likelihood of the remaining defendant's decision to elect a bench trial with this very same judge is highly probable. And unfortunately, so was the outcome. Freddie Gray's death spurred riots in Baltimore. His name has been added to a growing list of black men whose deaths during or after confrontations with police has galvanized a movement for police reform as well as calls for an end to reprisal attacks against law enforcement. Well, Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump had some choice words for Mosby. I think she ought to prosecute herself. Okay, that's my reaction. I think it was disgraceful what she did and the way she did it. And the news conference that she had where they were guilty before anybody even knew the facts. Trump criticizing Mosby's decision to prosecute while campaigning in Florida today. President Barack Obama heads to Philadelphia to address the Democratic National Convention tonight. NPR's Ada Peralta reports the president is speaking on a day of special importance to him. Twelve years ago today, a young aspiring senator appeared before the Democratic National Convention in Boston. That speech catapulted Barack Obama onto the national stage and eventually into the presidency. White House Press Secretary Eric Schultz says Obama will make a case for electing Hillary Clinton, but he will also reflect on his own tenure. I think the president will talk about uh, what the country has accomplished uh, together since then, what the grit, ingenuity, and determination of the American people helped to achieve over the past eight years. Last night, former President Bill Clinton didn't talk about his own record. Instead, he outlined Hillary Clinton's biography, calling her the, quote, best darn changemaker he's ever met. Ada Peralta, NPR News, Philadelphia. 
Vermont U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders is thanking New England delegates for helping to drive a more progressive platform in the Democratic Party. He's urging them to keep the movement alive. Sanders is coming off an emotionally charged second night of the convention. After Vermont came up during the traditional roll call of states, Sanders asked that his former primary rival's nomination be approved by acclamation. It may have drawn rumbles from Bernie or bust activists, But that was drowned out by resounding cheers in the convention hall, where the recurring theme throughout that night was one of unity. Dow is off five points. You're listening to NPR News. In Russia, President Vladimir Putin's telling Russia's Olympic athletes they're the victims of discrimination. Here's NPR's Corey Flintoff. Putin said that Russian athletes were unfairly treated because many of them were banned from competing in the Olympics. The bans came after Russia's government was implicated in a sports doping scandal. Putin said the absence of many Russian competitors would mean that the value of any medals won at the Games would be diminished. The International Olympic Committee decided on Sunday that it would not ban Russia's entire Olympic team. Instead, it said that the international governing bodies for each sport would decide which athletes would participate on a case-by-case basis. Corey Flintoff, NPR News, Moscow. On Capitol Hill, hundreds of cafeteria workers are splitting more than a million dollars. NPR's Giles Snyder says they've been awarded back pay following a Labor Department investigation. The Labor Department says two private contractors that provide food service to members of the Senate and others illegally underpaid 674 workers. An investigation by the department's Wage and Hour Division says the contractors misclassified the workers in order to pay them a lower rate and also didn't pay them for required overtime. The department says it's reviewing whether the vendors, restaurant associates, and its subcontractor, Personnel Plus, should be barred from gaining future contracts. Restaurant Associates says it has corrected the errors, saying the misclassification of the workers was due to administrative technicalities. Senate Democratic leader Harry Reid says ties to both companies should be cut. Giles Snyder, NPR News, Washington. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include LegalZoom, supporting small business owners across America for over 10 years, with services including business formations and corporate filings, plus independent professionals providing contract review and tax advice. Legal help is at LegalZoom.com. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And welcome back to Southern Remedy. I uh, hope that uh, you are well. And if you're not, or you have questions you want to ask, I hope that you will call us. We have lines open now at one eight seven seven MPB ring, one eight seven seven six seven two, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we want to talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. We have a special guest today, Dr. Stephanie Jacks, who's going to back me up, up on some uh, dermatology questions since we have so much dermatology coming up with the school year. I thought it might be good to talk a little bit about some of the common 
problems in dermatology, and she happens to be a specialist in pediatric dermatology as well. So she's got extra information on board. So we're we're here for your questions. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and we are ready for your questions. The earlier you call in, the better it is. That way, we don't have to hurry so much to get your answers. So let's go to Yazoo City and Shannon. Hey, Shannon. Shannon, you there? Well, hello. Hey, Shannon. Hi. I was yelling louder and louder and louder to get up to Yazoo City, so we finally made it up there. Thank you. I'm going to have one of the heart screenings at a local Jackson hospital, mm-hmm. and um, it involves several ultrasounds like carotid artery. But one of the things is a screening, a CAT scan of the heart for a calcium score. Mm-hmm. My question is, is that safe to have it done every year? No. Okay. Uh, CAT scans, uh, a coronary uh, CAT scans that look for calcium um, deposits uh, give you a lot of radiation. Now, they have gotten to the point now where they're much lower than the original ones. I had one of the original ones when we were trying out our new machine at UMC and had the radiologist told me how much radiation I was going to get, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, the, the newer ones have much less, but it's many times more than a, uh, many times more than a chest X-ray. So no, I would not recommend that. In fact, we don't recommend calcium scores for anybody unless they have a risk factors for, um, cardiac disease, because they really don't correlate with clinical outcomes like a, an angiogram a cardiac angiogram, which is a different test, and it's not done in these screenings. So if you have a strong family history of uh, cardiac disease or a lipid abnormality or diabetes, it might be a reasonable thing to do, but we don't routinely recommend that those be done. Likewise, the ultrasounds, the the carotid ultrasounds, really uh, are somewhat problematic uh, because... um, uh, un, they they can result in unnecessary evaluations and surgery. As you know, just because you have calcium in your carotid arteries, that doesn't mean you need surgery. It does mean that you need to be followed regularly. And, and, and again, in people who have family histories of problems with blood vessels, they're certainly something to get. I'm uh, so glad I talked to you. Um, I had the screening last year, and I... No, there was no problem indicated in any of the screenings. So I just thought I'd follow up every year, but I'm so glad you told me don't do that. No, don't. Please don't do that. We have a lot of people um, having surgical procedures that don't need them and other things coming out of these screenings. Let your primary care doctor direct you to screenings, okay. and uh, I think you'd, you'd do a lot better. Now, if you want to call me back in a year and give me your cholesterol levels and your family history and all that stuff, that would help me be more specific. Specific, But you were fine last year. No matter what's wrong with you, I wouldn't repeat that. Okay, okay. Great to talk to you. Thank you. We so love much. Yazoo City. Thank you. So, uh, Dr. Jax, one of the things that uh, I know that we're really – interested in talking about today among whatever else folks want to call about has to do with uh warts yeah and there are different kinds of warts right 
There sure are. Yes, there are. There are several. Uh, there are actually dozens of different strains of the HPV virus. Now, the HPV virus is what causes warts, and you can all get, warts. Yes, uh-huh. really. All warts are so those by the little HPV. warts that uh, I get on my feet and other places are HPV. Yes, does correct. that mean I have a sexually acquired disease? I thought I was celibate and all that stuff when I was a priest. <laughs> Uh, no, no. So there are different strains cause different um, types of warts. So some of the warts on your skin are caused by certain strains of the HPV virus. And then the genital warts are caused by a different strain. And some of the strains are more dangerous than others. So there are some strains of the HPV virus that can lead to cancer, um, particularly cervical cancer, which is why women go to the doctor every year to get their pap smears, just to screen for changes that could be indicative of cervical cancer. Well, your timing is excellent because we just got a call on uh, the HPV vaccine. Maybe we can straighten that out, but let's see what John has in mind. Hey, John. Hi. What's happening? Hi. um, So I recently took my 13-year-old in for a checkup, mm-hmm. and they, they asked me to get a vaccine for warts and said it would prevent cancer, and, and, I, and I didn't understand how uh, warts could cause cancer or if this, you know, like what you're talking about, if this was like a, an STD thing, because I, I don't personally think we should be doing anything like birth control for teenagers and things like that, so I, I'll just take the answer off the air, but thank you. Thank you all so much. Wow. But you brought up a whole bunch of things that, that I question. think all parents do. Our, uh, our, uh, grand, one of our grand girls, uh, it, had that question asked when she went in. Unfortunately, one of our grandsons who is older and should have had the question asked, didn't get the question Mm -hmm. asked. So what is the story on this thing? I think it's really important to talk about this. It's incredible that we have a vaccine now to prevent cancer. I mean, this is amazing. This is unprecedented. And we should be really excited about this. And unfortunately, while Mississippi is doing a great job at vaccinating our children, we're not doing as good of a job at vaccinating our teenagers for the HPV virus. And so we're missing a big opportunity here to prevent um, even death from cancer by not giving this vaccine to all of our teenagers. Um, And to kind of answer your question, you know, we talked a little bit about the different strains of the HPV virus, and there are some strains that are more dangerous than others. And there's actually a new HPV vaccine out now that that prevents against nine of the most dangerous strains of the HPV virus. Or cancer. Or yeah, with the ones that lead to cancer. Yeah, it doesn't help so, your other warts. It, unfortunately, it doesn't prevent all warts. I so, wish y'all would come up with one of those. Yeah, it's important to know it won't prevent your kid from ever getting warts, but it does prevent against the strains that are dangerous that could lead to cancer. And I think it's also important to know that this is not a situation where you're sending a message to your child that it's okay to go out and you know, get an STD. I mean, that's not what we're trying to say so, at all. So, so, uh, the, this HP, these HPV strains that you're talking about in that Gardasil updated vaccine uh-huh. are the, are the ones that are sexually transmitted, right? Yes. And they, they can the... go in either direction. Is that right? What do you mean by that? Well, woman to man, man to woman, yes, yes, or and... man to man or woman exactly. to woman or exactly. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So... Anybody that can have sex can get this from somebody else. So the, the recommendation mm-hmm. is that 
all boys and girls at the age of 11 or 12 years old get this vaccine. And the reason why we want to give it early is because that's when you have the best immune response. So if you wait until you're older, if you wait until you're in your 20s and you say, oh, well, now I want to get the vaccine, it's just not going to be as effective. All right. That is Dr. Stephanie Jacks, who's my special guest today, and she's going to back me up on any derm questions we have. And we hope you'll have some or whatever else is on your mind. It's open mic today on Southern Remedy, the original Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick here with Dr. Stephanie, and we're here to take your questions. That's one 672 mpb ring We're going to On the Road, and we're going to Holly Springs, and we got two open lines if you give us a call. By the way, uh, Dr. Jacks, The data shows that over 50% of kids in Mississippi have had sex before they graduate from high school. And as a grandpop, I want to think about it. Well, but you know, it's a reality that we're dealing with. And I, that was when I picked up the phone, I called my daughter and I said, get them all vaccinated. And I think that comes up a lot in parents' minds when you bring up things like the HPV vaccine is, well, not my child. You know, we're we're a different kind of family. That's not an issue in our family. And we talked about it, and we read on the book about, you know, what sex is. And, <laughs> yeah. all, and we talked about chickens and eggs and rabbits and all that stuff. And they knew all that stuff. Well, and, you know, one thing that I tell parents is that, you know, you know you're, this might not be an issue for your child, but you, you don't know what the person they're going to marry one day has been doing. And, you right. know, if you can do something to prevent cancer in your child, you want to, and, to do and that. It's, and we'll talk about it more if people call, but it's not just cancers in women. It's cancers in men, too. So we'll, uh, let's talk about that more. Hey, Marcus, what's happening? Good. Where are you at? Uh, I'm just outside of uh, Meridian. Meridian's a good place. They've got more uh, quick... quick uh, Fast food restaurants on that road through there than any place in the United States. And I've eaten it all of them. So <laughs> what, what's your question? Uh, I believe I have some form of uh, folliculitis on my scalp. Um, and I've gotten antibiotics on a couple of different occasions from my dermatologist. And uh, it just doesn't ever go away. Well, tell us what it is. Um, it's is it, like does it itch? It does itch, yes. Okay. Are there bumps? Yes, there are bumps. Can you feel the bumps? Yes. And where? what is the distribution of the bumps? Are they all over your scalp or just at a certain point? Uh, I would say they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Do you have other skin issues? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a pretty common um, complaint that we uh, run into in dermatology. Um, are they itchy in particular? Yes. It's quite hard not to touch them. Yeah, and have you been on antibiotics for short courses or for longer courses? Uh, on both occasions, it's only been for two weeks. Just for two weeks. Sometimes I find that people need just a little bit longer course of antibiotics to really clear things up on the scalp. Once you get an infection that's down in the hair follicle, it's just a little bit harder to clear. So it takes a, takes a longer course of treatment. So I would suggest that you talk to your dermatologist about um, maybe taking some cultures if they haven't already um, to see what, you know, what might be causing this. And then considering going on a longer course of antibiotics for even, you know, one to two months um, to to really try to clear up that infection. So what is folliculitis? 
Folliculitis is an inflammation of the hair follicle. Now, it, and it's not always due to infection. And in some people, the addition of a topical steroid to the scalp can help a lot as well because that will help calm down some of the inflammation and the itching associated with the, with the problem too. Is that different than uh, seborrheic dermatitis? Seborrheic dermatitis is kind of the medical term for really bad dandruff. So um, seborrheic dermatitis is actually caused by a, a yeast on the scalp called pterosporum, and that responds um, to things like antifungal shampoos. Um, sometimes we'll even give people some medicines by mouth to help treat that fungus, but that's um, similar to a folliculitis in that it's caused by an infection on the skin. So you can tell that the difference between that and what um, what Marcus has by the fact that you have scaling and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And with I, folliculitis, you just have bumps. Is that you, it? Yeah, usually more little pus bumps. Whereas with seborrheic dermatitis, you'll see redness and flakiness. So seborrheic dermatitis is an epidemic. Just about everybody has that. So. That's the thing you can just use some shampoo on, but that's not going to fix you, Marcus. Sounds like you got to go back a month ago when you all talked about that, and I went out and bought some uh, tea gel, and it hasn't helped. Yeah, well, you you uh, you figured it out on your own, so that was some good thinking. We hope that helps. If you need more information on this, send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline dot org, and we'll send you a patient information sheet. And thank you for your call and drive. Uh, carefully. I won't recommend a particular fast food restaurant to you uh, in Meridian, but they all seem to be about the same. We'll be right back after this break. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org slash heart. This week, Democrats will meet in Philadelphia to nominate Hillary Clinton for president. NPR and PBS NewsHour will be there, too. We're teaming up to bring you live coverage each night of the convention. I'm Rachel Martin. Join me, Judy Woodruff, and Gwen Eiffel as we take you inside the arena and to the floor of the Democratic National Convention. It's special coverage from PBS NewsHour and NPR News. MPB Think Radio, your home for live election coverage. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly jelly beans. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And, of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. 
We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. We're having all kinds of fun with you today, taking your calls on what's on your mind. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine Pediatrics, here with my special guest, the lovely and charming dermatologist from the University of Mississippi Medical Center, who is a specialist in pediatric dermatology, but does it all, Dr. Stephanie Jacks, who's been a regular on Southern Remedy. She's a graduate of Vanderbilt, GW, and Ohio State. Uh, now, all of those have very good teams. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? <laughs> oh, you know what? Despite going to all of these wonderful schools with great sports teams, I'm really not a big sports You are person. into books. <laughs> I, yeah. I my, know. You were one of those scholars. <laughs> That's why you ended up doing dermatology, because we know yeah. that dermatology picks the very smartest people. Well, thank you. And then people like me end up in... Um, medicine and pediatrics but there there you go okay so we forgot to mention that anal cancer uh oral cancer uh and penile cancer uh are all connected with hpv which is a sexually transmitted disease we don't want to hide the facts from you that's why we want these kids immunized you don't know what your kids are going to do and in the Bible Belt, this is always a problem talking about this. I've got the biggest Bible in town. It's got indexes. It's got three different translations. So you're hearing it from a Bible Belt guy. You need to get your kids immunized. And by the way, we are seeing more and more Zika cases of people who've been on mission trips to Honduras uh, and Guatemala those women, if they're in the childbearing age, need to be on birth control pills before they go down there or double birth control uh, because we don't want to, them to have those babies who have all these problems when they get back. Let's go to Clinton and Pete. Hey, Pete. Pete, what's happening in Clinton? Uh-oh. Pete, I'll be right back with you in a minute. I've got to go to Holly Springs for, first. Uh Norman. Okay. What's happening? Here I am. What's I'm happening? I'm going to try to be concise. Unlike the time when you were talking about getting a breast implanted. <laughs> so I won't do that sort of thing. Okay, this thank has you. nothing to do with sex. Okay. Number one, I want to compliment you for getting the paltry sum of $14 from pharmaceutical companies, according to ProPublica. Oh, really? Now, most doctors get... 30,000, 40,000 average, I think. Really? What it, I, I so wonder where that 14 that. is. I sure would like to find it. <laughs> well, I think you need it for insurance, perhaps. But uh, okay. Here's my question, though. Am I getting a good deal on um, these uh, me, um, medications? My friend is going to read them because I can't understand them. Okay. I have Parkinson's disease. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm glad you're on medicines. Uh, he takes a monthly supply. It's 150 tablets of carbidopa, levodopa, anticapone, okay. 125 milligrams. Gotcha. And they charge $181 mm-hmm. uh, a month for that. Gotcha. 
Uh, and every time I go, the pharmacists raise their eyebrows and say, how come you're paying so much? Uh, stuff like that. Well, I'll, te- I'll tell you, I can actually cut through that list because I know what's on it. I treat Parkinson's disease. The place to go to find this out is goodrx.com. Goodrx.com. They have comparative prices between all the drug chains, and they can even give you the local prices. And as as you probably heard, Norman, uh, from earlier uh, talking too much discussions by me uh, on this program, because I do need to I do need to talk less and listen more. Uh, the the prices on these drugs uh, in pharmacies two miles apart may be two or three times different. And that reference, goodrx.com, is where you want to go to sort this out. All of the, some other ones, that's just the one I use when I'm sitting in the office with patients, uh, helping them try to survive uh, the ripoff from some of these prices on some of these drugs. So that's where I would recommend you go. They know better than than I do. If I sat here and figured them out, one eighty one actually sounds pretty good per month. It's still too much, but it's probably a reasonable price. But check out goodrx.com. And uh, if you want to talk more about this, just send me an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org, and I will definitely do that. So thank you for uh, your call. And by the way, we got some great drugs for Parkinson's now, and I wish you the very best. We're going to have a... <clears throat> neurologist up here soon to talk about that so listen to us you're listening to southern remedy at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four we have an open line we'll take your call it's all things considered with dr stephanie jacks who is a dermatologist as my special guest now i think we can go to clinton with pete hey pete hello dr rick what's going on i've been yelling Pete, Pete, for the last 20 minutes, and I'm glad I finally reached you. What's going on with you? Well, uh, I've got a dermatology question for uh, Dr. Jack. Good. I'm, I'm dang near 80. I've got a spot on the top of my head that I've had for about three months. It's kind of a fibroid little uh, little uh, bump that I can palpitate with my fingers. It's about a little smaller than a an eraser on a number two pencil. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, I'm thinking I could go to the dermatologist and have them cut that out and scrape out the fibroid growth without a problem, and I wonder what Dr. Jacks would have or, or, or you would have in terms of comments. Okay, you mean fibroid because it's slick when you feel it with your finger? Yes. Okay. All right, good. So, so maybe we can uh, address Pete's question in the context of anything that's persistent on your scalp in our particular latitude and longitude. Absolutely. Um, You know, your scalp is a really high-risk location for developing skin cancers. So anytime I hear about something on the top of the scalp that's not healing, that's got a firmness to it, it's really something that needs to be checked out. And um, either your primary care doctor or, you know, they might choose to send you to a dermatologist, they can perform what's called a skin biopsy, which is where they'll take a little sample of that bump and they can send it to the lab, look under the microscope, do some testing, and try to determine if this is something that needs a larger surgery or if it's something that can be treated with topical medicines. Um, but really, anything new, anything that's not going away like that, you need to have checked out. Yeah. Pete is uh, 
uh, a man with a few thousand miles on his vehicle, and uh, he's probably not afraid of needles because he's been around long enough. But some of the younger guys will sit on these things for months, and then they get in trouble. So uh, describe a punch biopsy. It's really not like having open heart surgery, right? No, it's a very simple procedure. It can be done in less than five minutes in the dermatology office. Um, Basically, it involves cleaning the skin off with a little alcohol. You do have to just get a small shot of numbing medicine. Usually we use a medicine called lidocaine, but it really, you really only feel that shot for a few seconds. And then after that, you're numb there in that location for a few hours. So once we have you good and numb, we just take a little sample of the skin um, and then we can send it to the lab to test it. But the whole procedure takes less than five minutes. And you don't just end up... Comment, yes, sir. Just as a comment, it's not got any scaliness to it. There's no injury to it. It's rounded. It's got fibroids under it. I, I theorize that I had a nail puncture out of a roof, and it it didn't heal, and, and it got you know some fibroid tissue underneath it. It's real smooth. It's Mm-hmm. I can move it around my finger. It's not uh, painful in any fashion. Well, in particular, basal cell carcinoma of the skin um, can sort of mimic a scar. So sometimes it will look just like a, a bump on the skin or a scar. It doesn't necessarily have any flaking or bleeding or pain associated with it. So, right. I, again, I would encourage you to have that spot checked out. All right, Pete, you, you're heading the right direction, and thank you for your call. And we'll Thank take you. your call if you call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. By the way, you may have noticed the ragweed season is coming early this year. That's why I am so uh, hoarse. Uh, we want you to go ahead and start on your long-acting, non-sedative antihistamine, Allegra, Zyrtec, uh, the generic, of course, uh, or uh, like. Uh, now, because if you wait much longer, it won't work. Take uh, take it at bedtime and take it all the way through the ragweed season, which is in Mississippi all year. But I, you can usually stop it after the first freeze. If you want to talk more about that, give us a call. I'm here with dermatologist Dr. Stephanie Jackson. We're trying to get all of your skin problems cleared up. So feel free to call us at one 672 Let's go to the beautiful city of Mobile, Alabama, and Brenda. Hey, Brenda. Hello. Greetings you... from uh, Jackson to you and all the folks down the coast. Yes, yes. Hot like y'all are. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for the doctor, I have a little uh, uh, question. I have a little fat belly fold under you know underneath there and it got uh, an aggravated itchy part to it okay and i am i have tried nystatin 30 grams and then another thing i've tried because my husband uses it for his skin as uh, psoriasis uh ketoconazole ketoconazole uh-huh. yes sure 2%. so now is there anything that it does not itch all the time like it used to but just in between, I don't know, and I, when I take a bath, I bathe good and dry good and whatever. Brenda, and that is so important because I wanted uh, her to update us on that. And yes. So, so it's not just you. It's everybody that's over a certain age. Everything, oh, really? Everything goes south. 
and your skin goes south, yes. you know, everything goes south. Yes, everything. And you get these folds, mm-hmm. and during the sweating season, which mm-hmm. in Mobile is about nine months out of the year, right. uh, you get sweat under there. So what, what are the things that can mm-hmm. cause this, and can you prevent it? So it sounds like you have a condition called intertrigo. Intertrigo is simply an inflammation of the skin uh, between those folds like you're talking about. Uh One of the biggest driving factors, like you mentioned, is just sweat and heat. The moisture gets trapped in those areas. So it's really important after you take your bath to dry in between Mm -hmm. those folds really well. Sometimes I'll even tell people to get their hair dryer out and put it on the cool setting and just blow some air up in those spots. Um, Yeah. Another thing you can do is actually to use antiperspirant in those areas. So, you know, believe it or not, antiperspirant works in the underarms, but it can also work in any other fold of skin. Really? So you can use some Yeah, you can use some antiperspirant. Now, what can happen and what sounds like might have happened with you is that, you know, you have that intertrigo, which is that inflammation of the skin. Sometimes a little yeast infection can set up in there, too. Um, There's a yeast in particular called candida that likes to grow in those warm, moist folds of the skin. And Mm -hmm. using those topical medicines like you talked about, anything that ends in azole is going to work pretty well for that. So when you get that extra redness and itching that where it seems like it's a little more than usual, you you can try putting a little antifungal medication on there, and that can help a lot. But antifungal is that the uh, one I mentioned to you, the keto whatever. Ketoconazole is a is a good one, yes. Okay. So well, what I've you're saying is that for my husband. <laughs> what, she's, what she what you're saying is I I think that she could that there's two things going on. One, this intertrigo, which is just inflammation from all this these chemicals from sweat. Correct. And then then that can lead to other problems, right? Yes, a little yeast <clears throat> infection that kind of comes up on top of. Now, it. what about baby powder? Well, you know, baby powder, it's not my favorite, to be honest, um, just because they put a lot of extra stuff in there, a lot of extra perfumes, and, um, you know, I just don't think it works as well as using an antiperspirant under there. So I, I, in general, don't recommend the baby powder. Now, what kind of antiperspirant? Would any of them, the roll-on, any of ones work? Any of those would be fine. Mm -hmm. Well, I would use the spray if I was going to do it up there. You sure could. That would be, be perfect. Is that what you need? Ms. Yes, that's Brenda, what I need. Thank I'll you for your call. Thank you for your call, and all the best to our listeners in, Miss, uh, in Mobile, a gorgeous place. Hey, we're going to be right back after this break to go to Oxford and Long Beach and Tupelo, and we have a line open. It's All Things Considered with a focus on dermatology today. I'm Dr. Rick with Dr. Stephanie. We want to hear from you. We'll be right back. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Boxer Claressa Shields was 17 when she won gold at the London Olympics. Then she came home. I I was literally going to sleep, and I would see all black. Like, I wasn't able to dream because my dream had been accomplished. Now I'm like, what do I do now? The answer? Work toward a second gold medal in Rio. 
We catch up with her and hear the latest from the Democratic National Convention, too, later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. The new MPB Public Media app is available now. Watch MPB TV, listen to MPB Think and Music Radio, and stay in the know with MPB News. Search for the MPB Public Media app in the App Store and Google Play stores today. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick here with Dr. Stephanie, and uh, we are just always pleased to talk to our friends all over the place, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee, and sometimes further away from that. You need to know it's a privilege for us to be able to do this, and we appreciate trying to help where we can and steer you in the right direction. That's why we're here. So no question is crazy. We'll do our very best to answer whatever's on your mind. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. And let's oh, here's an email about my son in law. Son in law. That's the way we say it in Mississippi. Has really bad acne. What should I do? What should he do about it? Well, I think the answer to that, I'll preempt your response. If it's your son-in-law, you tell your daughter to talk to him on your behalf. <laughs> you don't tell him anything. Uh, but that's uh, that's probably uh, inappropriate. So what do you do about uh, this problem of, that everybody seems to have sometime in their life? Yeah, you know, there's so many different degrees of acne and different types of acne. I'd say for the mildest cases, you can usually manage that with over-the-counter medications like benzoyl peroxide is a really good medicine that has some anti-inflammatory and antibiotic effects. Salicylic acid is in a lot of the acne washes, and that can be a big help, The too. benzoyl peroxide is what I used, but I, it never worked because the doctor, I finally got to a dermatologist, and he told me that you really had to keep using it till you got a fine scale with it. I was just not using it enough. Is that right still? Yeah, you know... <clears throat> Acne is frustratingly slow to respond to treatment. So pretty much anything that you're using, you have to use for two to three months before you're really going to see a big benefit. And just about all of the topical acne medicines have the potential to cause a little irritation and flaking. And the reason why is because they're working to exfoliate the skin to unclog those little pores. So a little bit of dryness and a little bit of flaking is actually kind of a good sign that tells me the medicine is working. So that's benzoyl peroxide, which is one that you just recommended that I recommend, and it comes in different strengths. And I usually tell people to do a test dose 
before we start with the weakest one and go up. Can you tell them how to use that, and then we'll that's, we'll move on to our next caller. That's good advice. You know, you can start at the you know bottom range of the percentages. If you can get stuff over the counter that ranges from about four percent to ten percent, so you can start at the lower end of that range and work your way up. Now, for more severe acne that's not responding to those over the counter medications, we have a lot of prescription options, and pretty much anyone with acne deserves to be on a topical retinoid. Um, those medications are a little bit stronger than what you can get over the counter to work to unclog those pores. We have topical antibiotics, oral antibiotics that we'll use sometimes. And then for the even more extreme cases, we'll use oral retinoids, um, medications like isotretinoin, which help to dry up those oil glands and can actually have a a permanent effect on the skin, um, drying up those oil glands. And it's in a way, it's like a cure for acne. So most of the time, people who go on those oral retinoids, once they finish the course of medication, they never need anything for their acne again. So, um, but, but, but with those stronger medicines, we have to worry a little bit more about things like side effects. And in particular in women, we have to talk about the issue of birth control because, when you're on those oral retinoids, you should not get pregnant. Boy, that was a great summary. Well, we'll take more questions on acne if you give us a call. Right now, we're going to Eric and Tupelo. Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. Better that you hey. called. What's on your um, mind? I've got a, it's on the, on the outside of one of my, on the exterior of one of my eyes. I've got a scar from when I was a younger, a little more foolish. <clears throat> and underneath the skin, there feels like uh, there's a hard ball, almost the size of a regular BB that is under the skin. Like it's not painful; it doesn't irritate me at all. You know, but uh, if I move my finger around it, I can move this around slightly. And and, and you said times, it's it's actually within the scar. Uh, it's just on the outside of it. Just on the outside, the of the scar. and it looks like a little white bump under the skin. Yes, ma'am, that's correct. I I would, if I had to take a guess, I'd say it's probably a little milia cyst. Um, we see those often associated with scarring processes. If it's something you'd like to have treated, it's really simple to just um, to, you know, if your, your primary care doctor might be able to do it or they might send you to a dermatologist. But the way that we treat those is to just make a tiny little nick in the skin and then use a tool to express the contents. Mm-hmm. And that usually clears that right what up. What is that a milia? Is that a plugged up duct or it's, what is it? It's like a tiny cyst. It's just a tiny little cyst that gets filled up with keratin and debris mm. and so does it come back if you open it up usually they don't yeah usually they don't so all right eric you got it thanks for your help good to talk to you all right let's go to roy and meridian hey roy hey what's happening <laughs> yeah look i just got a question uh, I've, I've had this problem pretty much uh most of my life uh during the summertime when i sweat really bad mm-hmm. uh i get this uh i guess you would call them zits from like my neck down mm-hmm. all the way down to my uh, to my ankles and mostly around the hairs and it's little zits i guess and then because uh, i sweat profusely yeah uh, but i'm sure i'm wondering if there's something that i could do to kind of keep that down at, or keep it at bay at least all right well, you could move somewhere cooler, <laughs> but if that's not an option, um, you know, what you're describing sounds like it might be a combination of heat rash or what we call miliaria. Um, a lot of people are prone to getting their little follicles plugged up um, when they get hot. Um, you can help alleviate that problem by wearing real breathable cotton clothing, staying cool whenever possible. Um, that definitely helps. And then we talked a little bit earlier about folliculitis as well. And 
that can be a problem in some people too. Now, without looking at you, it's hard for me to tell you exactly which one is going on. But folliculitis, one thing you can do to help with that is to use a good antibacterial wash. We talked about the medicines for acne earlier. And you can get benzoyl peroxide wash and use it as a body wash. And that can help um, significantly too. I didn't know that. Yeah, so so you can get benzoyl peroxide body wash, and you can get the ones that are made for the face and use it as a body wash. But yes, so what do you? What can you give us a brand where you'll just have a guideline? Well, look, you know, I don't want to recommend any brand over any other. Just turn turn the bottle around and look for benzoyl peroxide as the active ingredient, and that can that can help a lot. Now, so what is the difference between he's got and what my son has, which is? keratitis pilaris or keratosis pilaris Uh Mm -hmm. so keratosis pilaris is as a kind of a skin type that we see that often shows up with little red bumps on the backs of the arms i guess i'd say the difference is that keratosis pilaris tends to be a little more stubborn um, and that's something that tends to stick around a lot longer whereas miliaria tends to pop up when you get hot and sweaty and um, so it has more ups and downs you can tell which it is if it's heat provoked yeah. And that's usually, yeah. is that what you need? Yeah, it sounds about, it sounds about what it, cause I've never done that before. I've usually used like just your typical body wash or just dial soap. I've never thought about like a antibacterial or the one with the benzoyl peroxide. So I think I'm going to give that a shot and see what that does. Give it a shot, but don't leave uh, Meridian. We need as many people in Mississippi to stay as possible. So please, uh, uh, uh sure will. let's turn your dial and your air here. conditioner down. All right. Great to hear from you, Roy. Uh, let's go to Mary in Oxford. Hey, Mary, thanks for the long wait. Okay, thank you. What's on your mind? Okay, I called you several weeks ago about uh, dermatitis mm-hmm. that I have on my scalp, separate mm-hmm. dermatitis. They did a biopsy and said that's what I had. Mm-hmm. But I do not have any dandruff. Do you have that with, you know, and not have dandruff? You, it certainly could show up with just redness and itching. Not everyone who has seborrheic dermatitis has really obvious dandruff. So if your scalp is feeling red and irritated and itchy, it still could be due to seborrheic dermatitis. Okay, I've had this condition for, I know, a year and have tried everything, every kind of shampoo, every kind of ointment. The doctor that I've been going to did not recommend giving anything internally uh, mm-hmm. a medicine. Oh. Well, wait a second. Let, let, let me see what you've tried. Have you had a topical steroid? Oh, yeah. Okay. And you've had a bunch of antifungal stuff? Right. And then you had TGL shampoo, that coal right. tar stuff that looks like... Uh, right. Ugh. Uh, yeah. It smells okay. like that. All right. So that's I would I would be out of things to recommend. What yeah, do you I, I'd have to look... The doctor in Oxford uh, was, you know, they didn't... They said they didn't know what to do about it. So I've, I've called another dermatologist... And he is giving me methotrexate. Oh, okay. They might be thinking that you... So there is sort of an overlap condition that sometimes we'll call SIBO psoriasis, which is where seborrheic dermatitis kind of overlaps with psoriasis. And that can be much more challenging to treat and often does need to um, be treated with internal medicines that are a little more aggressive like methotrexate. So it's probably they're thinking that you're on that spectrum where it's a little more like psoriasis. So... Mary, I am a rheumatologist, and I use um, a methotrexate like crazy. And it's not the methotrexate you heard about 20 years ago when they were using, you know, grams of it. The doses that you're getting are very small doses. And as long as you get your <clears throat> your blood counts and everything checked, your liver test, 
uh, that is usually as safe a medicine as we have out there. So uh, it sounds like you're headed in the right direction. Is that helpful? Mary? Now, the, the, I was going to try to call the doctor this afternoon. My last dosage uh, was it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on the 11th uh-huh. of this month. Uh-huh. Okay, I thought I was supposed to see him, you know, right after that. Uh-huh. And I don't know whether they misscheduled me or, or not, but I'm not to see him until the 24th. Call him up. I, I call would call him. him. They, probably, they probably don't mean for you to come off of that medicine all yeah. of a sudden. They yeah. probably mean for you to keep taking it, but I would talk to your doctor. All right, let's go to thank you, Mary, for that call. It sounds like you've got all the right parts to move forward on that one. Let's go to Hayden in Long Beach. Hayden, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's your What's How's your question? Going, we're We're doing good, and we're doing better. Hearing that uh, you guys down in Long Beach are as hot as we are up here. Oh yeah, no kidding. Are y'all getting rain down there? Because they say it's coming our way from your way. Well, it was rough yesterday, but I guess it's uh, passed on now. It's bright and sunny and beautiful. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's good news. What's on your mind? Well, um, it's just about the sun, actually. So, um, so I'm, I'm 20, and you know, I like I'm going out and uh, I went canoeing a couple weeks ago, and I got um, just an awful sunburn. I, I really didn't mean to. It was a, a mistake a lot of people, I guess, make. Uh, I thought I was using the sunscreen. It was like a tanning oil. Didn't have the SPF that I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I try to stay pretty cautious about that. And so what ended up happening is that I, I got a sunburn like I've really never had before. Um, and it was just it, – it, I got sweaty. I guess it blistered up. I mean, it was just red and raw for like two weeks, I mean, or just a really long time. Um, and after that, it, was, it left me with like big, huge um, freckles, um, the kind that I, I had never had on my shoulders or anything before. And uh, while I understand this is all pretty symptomatic of uh, what happens when you, when you get out in the sun – I wondered, is this kind of sunburn the kind of thing that you kind of raise your eyebrows at, um, you know, in a couple decades um, when skin cancer uh, tends to develop? And, and, and I wondered also, kind of a, 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 kind of a two-part question is, that, you know, I have, I have a pretty dark complexion, uh, but mm-hmm. I do get a little burnt every summer kind of um, as a way to kind of get that tan, and I usually don't get very burnt ever, yeah. which, is, which is why this, this sun. Well, so bad. Absolutely. Those blistering sunburns, without a doubt, will increase your risk of developing skin cancer down the road. And unfortunately, we're seeing skin cancer at even earlier and earlier ages in people who have had a lot of blistering sunburns, who have had a lot of chronic sun exposure, even if they didn't develop blistering sunburns, people who are using the tanning beds. All of these things definitely increase your risk for skin cancer. And the best thing that you can do for your skin is really good prevention. So, um, I like to recommend a good broad-spectrum sunscreen that has an SPF of at least 30 or higher. Um, look for ones that do have some mineral blockers in them, so titanium dioxide and zinc oxide in particular. Those are the ones you think about the old um, the lifeguard with the white nose, that you know the whiter ones that are a little harder to rub in, but the formulations that they're making nowadays are so much nicer and do rub into the skin a little bit better, and, and they work really well. Even though, even if you're using something with a good SPF, good ingredients, you still need to reapply every one to two hours, especially if you're outside swimming, getting in the water, sweating. You're still going to have to put it on um, frequently. Well, women will do that, but men will not do it unless we. it's really easy. And what I got, what I've been doing, because I, I've been bad about this, and I was a blonde when I had hair, uh, the the... 
uh, I get these sport sprays from the big box stores, and I looked those up in Consumer Reports, and they said that they're they were as good as any of the expensive ones. I just buy buy they sell them in kits of six and twelve. Uh-huh. I just buy and I just whoosh, 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 and that's it. Those are fine for most people. Uh, they, I, the one thing I would caution is that. So a lot of the spray sunscreens do have some alcohol in them. So if you've got any... Oh, ex- that's a bonus. If you've got any eczema or, you know, any sort of sensitive skin, they might be a little... They might burn a little bit or uh, even exacerbate your eczema. So, um, but but for most people, those are going to be great and very convenient. And are the the other thing for folks, I see some of those things that are ridiculously expensive, the branded ones. Are they any better than the cheap ones that I buy because I am so cheap? It, it just, again, it just depends. You know, I, I, there are some more expensive sunscreens that I recommend to my patients who have eczema. Um, and I do think it's worth it to use something that's formulated for a more sensitive skin um, in those particular patients. But if you're someone who has a normal skin type and you're just looking for something easy and convenient that you actually will use, then I think that what you're recommending is So are perfect. you talking, I know you're hesitant about talking about brands, but I'm not... Are you talking about the Clinique ones or some like that, or which ones are you talking about? My favorite brands would be Blue Lizard Baby. They Blue, make, Blue Lizard it's Baby? Called Blue Lizard is the brand name, and they make a baby sunscreen that's great for people with sensitive skin. And then Vanna Cream is another brand that makes some excellent sunscreens. And I've seen those at all over the Walgreens, place. Walgreens, CVS, Target. They're pretty Target. cheap. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the uh, individually owned drug stores too, yeah. which I have to mention or I'll be killed. All right. Hope hope that helped. Let's go to Hattiesburg and John. Hey, John. Hello. What's happening? Yeah, I was on a question about a uh, condition called tinea versicolor. Is uh-huh. that correct? Tinea versicolor? Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Um, I've been dealing with that probably since my probably early teens. I've always had this redness, um, which it seems the older I get, it moves around the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in the folds of my elbows was the earliest that okay. I could remember. And does it tend to pop out in the summer a little more? It does. Yeah. And um, after you know years of it being just the hotter you get, the more mm-hmm. you sweat, the redder it would get. You know that um, that tinea versicolor is caused by the same thing that causes seborrheic dermatitis. Believe it or not. So it's uh, caused by the pterosporum yeast. And the best thing you can do to help prevent yourself from getting that over and over is once or twice a month use. A medicated shampoo, something like ketoconazole shampoo, as a body wash to help prevent that pterosporum yeast from growing. Uh, the thing just comes back and back and it back. It comes back, it? yeah. It's 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 one of those things that you're just going to get over and over again unless you do something to prevent it. All right, John, we hope that helps. And we've got, uh, Amy, we've got uh, about 30 seconds. What's your question? Well, um, lupus runs in my family. I was tested, and then they said... I don't have it. I do have a stomach condition called, they diagnosed it as IBS. Mm-hmm. But I've got the symptoms of lupus where if I get a, I get rashes or if I get cut or if I get sick, it's very hard for me to heal. And someone was telling me something about a AIG or some type of test I could have done to help check my immune system. Okay. But I cannot... Here's what you need to do. You need to find a doctor you trust. Uh, and if a good dermatologist would be a great person to ask about that, they know all those things and they can give you uh, the right directions. Don't be getting stuff off the net or the like. And uh, if you want more, send us an email and I will definitely get back with you. 
You've been listening to Southern Remedy. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. And our star has been Dr. Stephanie Jacks, uh, a dermatologist from UMC who, as you know, now is very well informed about all things skin. Uh, We'll be back same time, same place next week. Or you can hear a replay if you're an early riser this Sunday at 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. I think they changed it. Uh, It was one of those times. Bye-bye. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue mobile app. More at bcbsms.com. The majority of the rain so far has been along and west of Interstate 55, and it looks like in the eastern part of the state from Tupelo to Starkville and